0: There's a lot of podcasts out there, but this one, you never know what to expect. Feel all the emotions with your host, Mercedes Rich, and every surprise guest. Now it's time. And the artist is... Finding Truth in the Chaos of a Relativistic World is the subtitle of your book, Awaken Alive to Truth. Let's unpack that a little bit. How do you define relativism and how does it relate to us as humans on a daily basis?
1: Ooh, we're jumping right into it, Mercedes. I love it. And I love it. All right. Relativism is a big word and, and and but but for anybody that doesn't know what that is, do not let it scare you off. All right. Rel- all it means is, you know, when people say, well, it's relatively cold, you know, in other words, it's kind of up to personal opinion, you know? Um it's not necessarily a fact. It's kind of it's kind of relative. And that's what we talk about, we talk about relativism, is it's an idea that there is no such thing as absolute truth so two plus two equals four they say well that might be your truth that's not my truth now that's something that we hear a lot these days isn't it so a lot of people i would say over 35 years old 40 years old um and i am in that that group by the way and just so people know uh i have two kids so sometimes i talk about my family and my kids i have two kids they are ages 20 and 18 just so you kind of know where i am in life so when i talk about things so for me, I never heard this, your truth, my truth. She shared her truth <laughs> until 2000, I don't know, 14, 15. And, and I was like, what are these people talking about? And so basically what you're getting into is the idea that there is no objective truth, absolute truth, it's all just relative. And hey, it might be good for you. That's not it's not good for me. That's not my truth. That's sort of the idea. And so what it, what it means is that all of society is floating around now. I mean, if you feel like there's no stability, that's because there's no stability. Nobody agrees on anything. We, we can't agree on, we can't agree on, um, I mean, just to jump right into the topics that are gonna really get Twitter talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we can't even agree on if, if If there are men and women, can men become women? Can men, uh, I'm not trying to shock anybody, but if you've listened to the news, you've heard it. Can men have babies? Can men have periods? Um, my daughter goes to college. She sits next to a boy who says that he's a cat. Um, and just so you know, that there's, that is a real thing. It's called a furry. So she, he is a furry and they ask that he goes by certain sorts of pronouns that refer to a cat. You know, so th- this is what happens when you are living in a relativistic world and there is nothing sure under your feet. And I just want to say, as we get started, this is completely antithetical to the Christian worldview, because the mm-hmm. Christian worldview is built on the fact that there is a truth, there is a reality, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, so therefore, Jesus defines reality, he defines what is true, and this is the reason it's is so dangerous that this is kind of sweeping into Christianity, as I'm sure we'll get into during the episode, but it's coming into Christianity, uh, which it should not be able to, because it's so much the opposite of what we believe.
0: Yeah, why do you think it is that so much of our society is caught up in believing this?
1: Well, there's a lot of different reasons for that. I mean, these things, these disciplines started in academia in the 60s. So you got to remember that in the 1960s, you know, this is, you know, post-World War II, there was a real reshaping of the West. And in that reshaping of, of the entire Western world, a lot of people felt like religion had let us down god has let us down the judeo-christian worldview is really bad because look at all the terrible things the world has done and so because of that you had all these radical revolutionary ideas in politics and whatnot obviously if anybody knows about history in the 1960s you had the free love movement you had a bunch of um uh, of, of well of, one of the good things of course is the civil rights movement that was a good thing that happened out of that movement of course but you had a lot of just revolutionary ideas the rise of Marxist ideologies, and then you had neo-Marxist ideologies, so that might sound like a bunch of theoretical gobbledygook to a lot of people, but what it means is that all of these secular atheist uh, academics who hated Christianity all went into the universities, and they started pumping this stuff, because all these ideas from postmodernism and Marxism, they all go into the universities because academics love this stuff. I mean, there's nothing better to an academic than to sit around and discuss what is truth, but how do you know it's true? You know, like these ideas like the film The Matrix. I mean, the mm-hmm. film The Matrix is a perfect example. Academics love this stuff. And so, what we have now is in, uh, in, in two full generations who disbelieved in God, were looking for another, you know, if you don't believe in God, it, it doesn't mean that you just have neutral opinions about the universe. It just means that you fill up that void with something else. And so people began filling up the, the God, you know, the God-shaped hole, if you will. They filled that up with humanistic ideas. And those humanistic ideas range from, you know, I am the master of my own future mm-hmm. to, well, it, whatever is true to me is fine. And whatever I want to do should be okay. And whatever you want to do should be okay. And as long as, you know, we kind of agree, disagree, then then we can just, you uh, never come to, to any sort of you know, uh, agreement about anything. And so if you wanna know how it's happened, I think all of that is a part of it. And out of that, it's the last thing I'll say, I know I've been rambling, out of that came the social justice theories. And the, the social justice movement is basically born from this idea of that the Christian world, you didn't work. Judeo-Christianity was really terrible. The Western world was really ta- terrible. So we got rid of God and now we have filled the void with humanism, and humanism is, is is nothing more than the idea that humans can fix all of our own problems without God, without any transcendent being, we should be able to define our own morality and we can create a perfect future without God, without morality, because in their worldview, man is not fallen, um, man is just hindered, man has been hindered from the past, he's been hindered from society, and so basically, out of that came the social justice movement to perfect society. And um, that is kind of where we're at, where we're at right now, in my opinion.
0: You've talked a lot about like philosophical thought, and that's where a lot of what you just said kind of came from. How do emotions play into that and also into like what truth is and what people in this specifically in this society are thinking?
1: Mm, Great question. Absolutely. I mean, um, I have a book coming out in a few months and and maybe I'll come on your show again and talk about that book when it comes out. But yeah. part, part of what is taught is getting at is this, when you look at Marxism and um, Marxism is the, uh, there's a famous quote from Karl Marx. It's, it's called the ruthless criticism of everything. And so Karl Marx was going to change society. Of course, most people by now know, the oppressed and the oppressors, he, he broke everybody, everybody in the world up into you're either an oppressed group of people, or you're the oppressors. All right. And the way that we're going to revolutionize the world is by a a ruthless critique of everything. And so this is not, this is not a good faith exercise of me and you, Mercedes, we sit down and you know, I don't know you and you don't know me. And it, we're both Christians. But let's just say that me and you disagree on some some I don't even know what we disagree on, but let's just say hypothetically we disagree on uh, the death penalty. There you go. I'm, I'm just <laughs> picking something something random. Okay. For sure. we, we disagree on the death penalty. Well, me and you would sit down and we would have a good faith debate about it. And let's just say hypothetically we bring in another one of our friends who's against the death penalty, but that friend is an atheist. But we're still friends and we still want what is best and we can have this dialogue and he's got statistics and you've got statistics i've got statistics and we're bringing in philosophy and we're talking that's not what marx wanted marx said i already know how the world should be and we are going to get there by criticizing everything by breaking everything down by pointing the finger at everybody with just massive hatred and disdain to make people so angry that they revolt against the system I mean, welcome to the 2020s. We are living in a time where emotions matter more than truth. Remember, because there is no truth. So if there is no truth, then how can you convince somebody to believe what you believe? You have to yell at them. You have to whine at them. And if they don't agree with you, then that means that what they are saying is, is that my truth is better than your truth. Well, that's just kind of like oppression in their worldview. So now I'm oppressing you, Mercedes, because you disagree with me about the death penalty, um, you know, hypothetically. And because I say that that you're wrong and I get all the statistics, you feel the only way that you can revolt against me is just absolute emotion, outrage, crying, screaming, saying that I am trying to make you not exist or, or all the various things that you see on social media. So emotion has a huge part to play in this. I mean you got to remember if there is no absolute truth then it's a possibility i wrote about this in my book that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. it's a possibility that your emotions can tell you what is actually true does that make sense christianity teaches that your emotions cannot lead you to the truth in fact your emotions are fallen because original sin touches every part of your being you need to be redeemed by the spirit of Jesus Christ, right? Through the cross of Christ. And when you are redeemed, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of me. And now he is transforming me. and, And now all of these things in my life have got to measure up to the word of God because the word of God is true, not the way I feel about something. And so the word of God is the standard. Your emotions need to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. But that is not the world we're living in right now. The world we're living in right now is if I feel it, and it
0: is true. Hmm. And I feel like in this society, we've been so much almost indoctrinated into that kind of thinking. So how do we combat? I'm so sorry. Hold on. This honey. My dog is barking. <laughs> ben.
1: Oh, I don't hear him or her. Okay. I don't
0: hear <laughs> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So in our society, we've really been indoctrinated into kind of this thinking into this philosophy. So how do we combat that in more of a practical way?
1: You know, it's always hard to it's always hard to say because you don't know what your audience is. So I, I'm going to give you what I believe Christians should do, mm-hmm. and of course, I'd love it if non non Christians would listen to this too and and say, okay, I'll, I'll I'll consider that, consider this, and tell me if it's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk, talk to Christians if we can, because I truly believe, I truly believe that it is the Christian worldview that can save us from all of this destruction. I think the Christians have to wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly reject, not just secular theories. Okay. Not just, you know, sometimes it's easy for Christians to say, well, well I reject what the world thinks because I believe the Bible. That's good. But we, we need to take down a little deeper because what you're seeing right now in churches, if I can just kind of, Uh, I'm not going to go off, but if I could just be honest for a second, what we're seeing in churches is a mixture of Christianity on one hand, and the ideas we've been talking about of relativism on the other hand, and they are kind of mixing together. And that is the reason that a lot of churches don't feel comfortable, a lot of pastors don't feel comfortable anymore saying things that are absolutely true because they're afraid they're going to hurt people's feelings. And the reason they're afraid of that is because everybody thinks basically that everybody's opinions on an issue are valid. And the truth is, is that, I mean, that's not what the Bible teaches. <laughs> I mean, I, there's only one person's opinion that is valid. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to measure up to that. And so what you end up getting in a lot of churches, people like, well, well, I just don't think that you should talk about hell. There's a good example. I don't think you should talk about hell because my God, blah, 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 blah. Now you're getting into my God versus mm-hmm. Mercedes's God versus John Cooper's God versus whoever's God. Well, well, there's only one God. The Bible says the Lord is one. So what I think the Christians need, we need to do is dig down, reject relativism in all of its forms and find some moral confidence Mm-hmm. In the word of God, because a lot of this also is the fact that Christians, uh, they they rightly, <laughs> they rightly discern that if they say some things to the culture about, I mean, let's just be honest, sexuality, gender, the judgment of God, um all sorts of things, they rightly recognize that the world is not going to like them very much. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um It's absolutely true. But what has happened then is that we've been we, we've gone to a well, then why don't we not talk about those things at all? Because uh, the, we don't want to make people think that God is mean. We need to recapture our, our confidence in the word of God. God is not mean. God is loving. He's merciful. He is gracious. Um, he is compassionate. And his way is right. And I think that what it kind of, in my opinion, what it kind of does is it betrays All of a sudden, it betrays the fact that we really don't believe that God is as good as he is. And it betrays the fact that we don't believe that the gospel sets people free. Because if we believe the gospel set people free, then we would be telling people, we love you. We're not here to judge you. But what you're doing actually is sin. It is slavery. But it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that will set you free. So I would say to people, reject relativism and all of its sources regain your moral confidence and i think that that the church is going to have to once again take a really tough stand on some issues um because they are issues of they're issues of truth and we're living in a time a very untruthful time a time when people don't know what to believe and they're they're very very confused and i just would say any church leaders out there listening I i love church leaders i love my church leaders i very much believe in the local church Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe if you're a Christian, it's not a part of a local church. I believe you're, you're absolutely missing out. I, I don't see any, I don't see any, uh, I don't see any biblical, um, um, reason that you should not be in a local church. I love the local church, but I just would encourage pastors to speak about those hard issues because I I meet these people that come up to me and you know, I have a podcast and, they say, John, I had no idea what was going on with my daughter. I, just, I had no idea. And I wasn't hearing anything from my church. I, I brought this issue up. And my pastor said, well, it just depends. In other words, I brought it up to my pastor. And they were uncomfortable and didn't really know what to say. Didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And now I'm in a situation where my daughter, uh, she's, she's 12. She believes that she's a boy. And she's mad at us. She wants to disown us as parents because we won't call her by her her boy name that she has chosen now. And the only reason we knew what was going on was because of your podcast, John. Well, that breaks my heart. That is the the role of church leaders. They have to be talking about this stuff from a mm-hmm. place of love. You're not doing anybody favors by not talking about it. Mm-hmm. We're in a time of madness, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings. Um, order to chaos.
0: So well, so well put. You have verbalized so many things that I've had conversations like in my head about, but never really know how to put it into words. If that makes any sense.
1: Oh, great! Um, Wonderful.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. But also, you mentioned Christians and talking to Christians. If we can talk about non-believers for a minute, how do we hold non-believers to the same standards whenever they don't live the same way we do because they don't believe in the same God that we do?
1: Right. You know, I think that the, uh, I, I know I'm I'm talking to Christians again, but I, I got to say, Christians, we've got to do a better job of of worldview. Um, and and again, I don't want to say I am beating up on the on the church. I love the church, but what I think happened, you see, in the late '90s and the early 2000s, I've read a lot of books about this, and I'm not the first person that has said this, but but I do I do believe this. I believe that the church kind of felt that. That all of this teaching of like theology, apologetics, and all, all apologetics means is basically just a, a defense for the faith. Okay, uh, these ideas about why we defend our faith against um, worldly ideology, against Darwin's evolution, say, or our, proving that there is a God to an atheist. Um, those are just some examples. We stopped teaching apologetics. We taught, stopped teaching worldview. We stopped teaching theology because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to know all this theology and Greek words and why that really matters. And so just teach me how to live for Jesus today. Give me something that's going to help me through my week. Our churches became seeker sensitive after that because we just felt like we got to reach the lost. They're not going to listen to all this theology. And because of that, I think that a lot of Christians, I just think we don't have a defense for our faith and so the the truth is is that there are some brilliant reasons i mean we're talking about for instance i mean i'm talking about transgender that's my third time i've mentioned
0: i think your mic cut out a second ago Uh Uh-uh, i can't hear you (laughs)
1: Hello? Hello? Oh, there
0: we go. There it
1: is. Is that better? Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. So I'll start right into the transgender ideology thing. Okay. Transgender ideology is just the best example because we have never seen anything like this in 6,000 years of recorded human history. Okay. There are biblical reasons that transgender ideology that we say that's against scripture, but there are tons and tons of natural reasons that are just, they're logical They are rational arguments. They are natural law arguments, you could say. Or even just the argument about objective reality. Um, What what you have to believe, if, if you follow transgender ideology, you have to disbelieve that physical reality is real or that it just literally doesn't matter at all. Like physical reality plays no role in what it means to be a human. Now, that is full postmodernism, by the way, right there, which is basically that there is no sure reality, um, but I define reality by my inward feelings, okay? So there's tons of arguments. Christians, we got to get better at telling the world why God's way isn't just right and holy, but why God's way works. It is rational. It is reasonable. So what I would say to non-Christians who say, well, I don't want to live up to your Christian standards. That's what they. For one thing, what I would say was, hey, I don't judge you. That is not my place to judge you. I'm only telling you what the Bible says. I'd still like to be friends. Um, I'm not judging you, but God will judge you by his own standard. I'm just trying to be a faithful friend by letting you you know what the Bible says. But I think what I would say to them is follow your worldview through whatever these things that we disagree on. Let's take sexual liberation. That's that's a really good example. Because if you're not a Christian in 2020s, you probably are pro-sexual liberation, meaning you probably believe that as long as anybody wants to cons- consent to sex, then it's not immoral. That's, I would say that's probably what most people believe these days. So let's just take that example. I would say, hey, I don't judge you for that, but let's just follow it through. Do you do you think that the liberation of sexuality is a good thing or a bad thing? Let's just look at young people because the secular humanist um, progressives are always telling us the reason that people are so messed up. The reason that life is so difficult is because we have disallowed them to be completely sexually free. And if we let them be sexually free, then everybody would be happy. Everybody would be content everybody would live a healthy life because they are sexually fulfilled. And so I would say, okay, how's it going? We have now the first generation, the most tolerant generation um, of American history, that's for sure, in the, the, the 300 years of this existence, the most tolerant generation of all time, the most sexually progressive of all time. Um, we have no judgment in society for whoever you are, whatever you want to do, And how is it working out? We have the highest rates of suicide in American history, the highest rates of anxiety in young people, something like 80% of young people are on anxiety meds or some sort of, some sort of medication. All right. I mean, it's some, it's nearing 80%. So we have the most drugged generation, uh, we've ever seen in American history. Um, they are depressed the psychological disorders. What I would say is, is do you think the sexual liberation is going good? Or do you think that maybe it's actually not going so well? I would, I would just give them arguments like that to say, when we, when we say to you that it is immoral, it's not because we have disdain for you personally, it's because we are trying to save you from heartache. For instance, if, if, if you get married, excuse me, If you get married and you only have sex with your spouse and you never have sex with somebody, somebody else, this is so obvious. Well, you're, you know, you're not going to catch a sexually transmitted disease. Mm -hmm. What we would say is, is that God's way is not just because God is, it's not because God is mean. It's because God's way works. God's way is immoral. He created a moral universe and he gave us a moral law that coincides to that universe. So when you obey his laws, you flourish. You, you stay sexually pure with your wife. Well, you're not going to catch STDs. It's, it's, it's all these. You can apply that to any aspect of morality. And what you're going to find is that God's way is not only holy, it is not only pleasing to the Lord, but you're going to flourish in society.
0: Mm, Absolutely. I could talk about this for hours. This is like a really interesting topic, so much to unpack here, but we are running out of time. So are there any last thoughts that you want to leave with the audience that's listening?
1: You know, I would just encourage, I would encourage Christians. I'll encourage non-Christians too, okay? (laughs) Um, I would just say that I think a lot of this could be solved. I mean, actually, let me give like an emotional plea let me give you my emotional place since emotions matter so much in the 2020s. I would just say Christians, if you're like me, your heart is broken about what is happening in our country. Um, it is absolutely I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. I was born I was born in the 70s. I've never seen anything like you you're talking about old ladies walking down the street and just getting sucker punched by teenage boys who probably, statistically speaking, probably don't have fathers in the home because of the sexual revolution of the seventies. And women were told, you don't need dads. And this and and men were told, hey, you don't need to be a dad. You just do whatever you want to do. You're watching old ladies get beat up by young men. There was a time when there would be other men around that would train these young men and say, hey, it's okay that you have strength. It's okay that you have aggression, but you need to point this aggression in a good way. You can't be a moral a, a moral anarchist, right? And we would train men to be good men and we would train women to be good women. We don't see that anymore. Our country has lost its stinking mind. People are heartbroken. We can't even put into words how bizarre the world has become. When you go to a L.A. Dodgers baseball game, and they have a pride night with drag queens who mock the name of Jesus Christ. If people don't know what I'm talking about, this is a true story that happened about a month ago. You're talking about people who, who, men who dress up like women, and they mock the name of the living God, and they are being presented with an award at a baseball game. Baseball is like America's favorite past (laughs) pastime. It's America's sport. You bring your kids The world has gone crazy. I would encourage Christians to start believing that the Bible has the answers for this mess. We cannot look to the world to answer it because the world, their answers have led us to the place we are in. Christians believe that the word of God is actually true, steadfast, never changes, and stop looking at the world to answer these problems and stop apologizing that we find our answers in the Bible. It's almost like we feel a little bit bad about it or something like, yeah, I know they don't want to hear that, so I'm sorry this comes from the Bible. No, it is the answers from the Bible that, that can get us out of this mess.
0: And that's it for this episode of And The Artist Is, featuring John Cooper talking about truth and that the only true truth can be found in Jesus Christ. Thanks for tuning in.